In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you may be seated. I wish that every human being could have the kind of relationship I was privileged to have with my dog, Ty Cobb. I know I've told you about Ty Cobb before. Ty, Ty Cobb was a field English setter that, um, well, he was uh, the number one English setter in obedience in the country a number of years ago. But he was, what was so wonderful about Ty Cobb wasn't just that he was a great obedience dog, but that he was a great obedience dog with me. I was Ty Cobb's world. If Ty Cobb had had a motto, it would be, you, Reggie, are enough for me. I don't need food. I don't need other people. I just need you to be with me. When I was in grad school in North Carolina, I used to run marathons, and we would run out in the countryside outside of Hillsborough, North Carolina, where we were living at the time, and we would go 10 miles, 12, 15 miles, and Ty would just kind of run off, didn't need a leash because we were in rural North Carolina, right? But he'd always just come back and go, hey, Dad, this is great, isn't it? Oh, uh, you're enough for me. I love being with you. And then when we moved down here, uh, well, I wasn't running as far as I was, and I was running on asphalt, and I had to run on a leash because this is Central Florida, and that's what we do, right? And I ran with Ty until his latter years, and finally Mrs. Kidd had to say, you, you got to stop because Ty Cobb loves running with you, but he, he just can't keep up. You're wearing him out. I, I love Ty Cobb, and what I loved about Ty Cobb so much was that he loved me. You are enough for me. That was Ty Cobb to me. So today, I have a one-point message. It's you are enough for me. And I'm going to draw briefly from each of the uh, Scripture writers today. Isaiah, Paul in 2 Thessalonians, and Luke. Isaiah. Isaiah had a you are enough for me kind of faith. You'll recall from Isaiah chapter 6 that Isaiah had been called to a doomed mission to preach repentance to a people who he knew were not going to respond for seeing Israel, the northern kingdom's destruction at the hand of the Assyrians and the eventual demolishing of Jerusalem and her temple at the hands of the Babylonians and then captivity to Babylon. But Isaiah had a you are enough for me kind of faith. So, so filled with his mindscape with the beauty and the grandeur and the goodness of the God who back in Isaiah 6 had given him a vision of himself in his holy temple and who had purged his tongue with a hot coal. So much was Isaiah's mindscape filled with that picture that he just knew that on the far side of all that judgment, the beauty and the grandeur and the goodness of God would yield, as he says in today's passage, a new heavens and a new earth, a beautiful Jerusalem. With his you are enough for me faith, 
Isaiah just knew that God's wrath would eventually give way to joy in what Yahweh was creating. Isaiah just knew that God would take such delight in the people that he had not only wonderfully created, but that he was yet more wonderfully restoring, that their lives would go on and on and on and on and would be rich and full of flourishing. Now, there are a number of phrases that, that you could pick up on in the passage in Isaiah about the, the length and the beauty of this life, but um, I picked up on one. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. Now, Isaiah didn't have the vocabulary, he didn't use the vocabulary of unending eternal life off into heaven, etc. Instead, he put it in terms that would be readily understood in his day. Like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. Now, I assure you that Isaiah was not talking about the, the, uh, the lifespan of the oak trees that they planted here in central Florida in our neighborhoods, the lifespan of which is like, what, 50 years? Oh, and yeah, and Hurricane or Tropical Storm Nicole uh, made sure that the lifespan of one of the big oaks in our backyard was over. So right now we have half an oak tree on our roof into, into our bedroom. So you have 45 years, didn't quite make it to 50, but well, you know, but that's not what Isaiah's talking about. You know, some trees live a lot longer than 45 or 50 years. Do you remember the senator in Longwood? The name of the tree, the, the name of this bald cypress that was the largest in the United States until it was burned 10 years ago. At the time, it was the fifth oldest known tree in the world at 3,500 years of age. The, the, there's, a, there's an argument about which is the oldest tree. Uh, one contestant is a tree named Methuselah, which was a great basin bristlecone pine, which is a great basin bristlecone pine in the White Mountains of California, just under 4,900 years old. And the, the, Gran, the Gran Abuelo, a Patagonian cypress in a national park in Chile, estimated at 5,500 years old. Those are old trees. And there are claims for an olive tree in Bethlehem named Albadawi that put it around 4,000 years old, meaning Isaiah could have been familiar with trees that were nearly, that were already 1,000 years old when he prophesied. He's promising a long, long, long life. A Thai cob like you're enough for me meant for Isaiah a kind of irrepre irrepressible faith that no matter what, God was going to make something eternally beautiful of his life and yours and mine. You can see that kind of you're enough for me faith in Paul when instead of kicking back and enjoying what should have been the perks of ministry, letting his new converts in Thessalonica wine and dine him, he performs manual labor among them when he senses they don't understand that as Patricia Orlando put it last week, they've taken the beachhead in Normandy 
meaning at Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension, we're going to win, but it's still a long way to Berlin. And so, as Paul puts it, do not be weary in well-doing. You're enough for me, faith isn't afraid to set aside its privileges, roll up its shirt sleeves for the sake of the people it loves. And you can see that kind of you're enough for me faith in Jesus himself. Here in today's passage in Luke 21, here is God's people's true high priest contemplating the architectural wonder that was the first century Jerusalem temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God. Jerusalem's temple that had been undergoing marvelous reconstruction that the brilliant architectural visionary Herod the Great had launched some 46 years earlier. The temple never stood as majestic as it did in Jesus' day. But here Jesus stands, anointed at his baptism to be Israel's great priest and king. And if anybody deserved to be put if anybody deserved to put on the vestments and go into the Holy of Holies with all the pomp and circumstance, but Jesus knows his father has called him to a different kind of priesthood. And so he says, <clears throat> I will put my trust in him or you, Father, are enough for me. The stone and mortar temple that had, in one form or another, been at the center of God's relationship with his people for a thousand years had reached the end of its shelf life. Jesus knows that he is called to a sacrifice of something besides the body of an ox. He knew that he was called to the sacrifice of his own body. He knew that he was called to the shedding, not of goat's blood, but of his own blood. The sacrifice of himself that will prove to be the final goal of that building's existence. And so, <clears throat> in advance of the day in which God's house would be composed no longer of stone and mortar, but of living stones, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, like you and me, Jesus says of this so recently and exquisite, Jesus says of this so recently and exquisitely refurbished second temple, not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. And it remains thrown down to this day because he's building a new and final temple of you and me. Jesus can only say this because with his whole life, he has been saying what he will say with finality in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but thine, or in other words, you are enough for me. So, as your shepherd and your friend, I pray that in everything God gives you grace to say, you, Lord, are enough for me. 
When your body is failing and your doctors have no answers, you are enough for me. When storms come and wash dreams wash away, or land a big old fat old tree on your, on your roof, into your bedroom, you are enough for me. When investments plummet and leave you wondering how you're going to make ends meet, you are enough for me. When you get involved in your church enough to see just how the sausage is made, you are enough for me. And when somebody you love makes a horrible, horrible decision and you can't do anything about it, you, you, Lord, are enough for me. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to make you stand, I mean stand without blemish in the presence of his glory with rejoicing, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen.